And I did my due diligence to find out, is this something for me? And I suggest everyone, even second, third generation, dentists, kids, whatever, answer that for themselves. You know, find out if you really love it. Because if, if you make that mistake of going into dentistry and not loving it, it's going to be pretty long 20, 30 year career. From the cubicle to the lab, the studio to the war room, climbing the corporate ladder or joining a scrappy startup, experience a day in the life of the jobs you want. This is the Experience a Day in the Life podcast. We interview professionals, entrepreneurs, and recent grads about what a day is actually like on the job, hour by hour, or as we like to call it, they're a diddle. Spell A-D-I-T-L, which stands for a day in the life. This podcast will inspire you to gain experience beyond the classroom and launch a career of your own. We're your hosts, Chris DeBow and Matt Poe. Welcome to part two in the two-part Not Accidental series. In part one, we went through hour by hour in a day in Dr. Alex Vasserman's life as a dentist. In this episode, we'll take you through his career journey so you know what skills and experiences are necessary to land a job as a dentist. Alex is going to share with us what he had to do to get into dental school and how he grew his business from there. Let's learn how he did it so you can too. What got you into dentistry in the first place? Yeah, I know you said you come from a family of dentists. Yes, doctors, dentists. My grandfather was a pulmonary doctor, and my grandmother was one of the first surgeons in former USSR. My dad was an oral maxillofacial surgeon and a dentist. My brother's a dentist. My in-laws are dentists. So Ah. growing up, I was around medicine all the time. But then seeing the ability to work with your hands and also be that medical and and think on your feet and have kind of different things throughout the day I kind of went in that footstep you mentioned you liked the aspect with dentistry that you work with your hands were there any other areas of interest that kind of you know sparked your Sparked your interest? Uh, I was or thinking. Was of, it always just dentistry? No, I, I was thinking. So what I did in undergrad is, I really thought about it, and I and I said, Am I going to go into medicine, or am I going to go into dentistry? So I spend a lot of time trying to answer that question, and I and I worked as an orderly in the OR. I cleaned up operation rooms, and I saw surgeries. I worked as a receptionist in a medical office, so to see what's the day to day lifelike and I actually put myself there I worked as an assistant in my family practice with my brother and my dad to see and I thought dentistry was a lot of fun there's a lot of art in it whereas unless you're doing like plastic surgery those advanced tv shows there's really not much of that in medicine so I kind of like that art now in dentistry I get to use digital design I get to use models I get to play with wax so there's a lot of really cool stuff when it comes to that. You know? So fun. Yeah, a lot of people just see, you know, they see the dentist from their perspective going into the office, right. do the teeth clean or the do the whole routine, but then right. they, they don't see the other side of it, what, what you're doing. You're, they don't see the dentist playing with the wax. They don't see the, the art side of it. Right. So that's really cool that you're bringing that up. I like and, the, and a lot of it is in the background. You're right. It's in the lab. It's when it's the after hours sitting in front of my MacBook 
doing the digital design, then translating that into wax, and then translating it into teeth, because so, there's so many different sizes and shapes to teeth, right? So, so it's very, it's, it's, you have to love it, right? I do, and I enjoy it. I'm sure you can guess that getting into dental school isn't easy. To prepare, some start as early as high school, but Alex told us that if you're passionate about the subject and are willing to work hard, you can really start preparing at any point. I've seen, you know, my buddy Corey, he was like a 30-year-old guy in dental school. He he did other he was in finance, he was in and then he he went into dentistry. So there is certain truth to that, but you can go into dentistry at any age if you really like it and you're passionate about it. And and I did my due diligence to find out, is this something for me? And I suggest everyone, even second, third generation dentists, kids, whatever, answer that for themselves. You know, find out if you really love it, because if if you make that mistake, of going into dentistry and not loving it, it's going to be pretty long 20, 30 year career. You know, the, the thing here is you're dealing with so no one wants to go see the dentist. Most people don't. Nowadays, you get the cosmetics, you get the whitening. But I would say 70 percent of my patients, if they had a choice, they don't want to go to your office. Right. People want insurance. People want other things. So they go into, you know what I mean? They go into your office kind of like, okay, I guess I need a mortgage or I want a mortgage. That's where you want to be the hero a lot of the times where you get to get someone out of pain, where you get to fix their broken tooth, where you get to say, you know, this years of neglect, let me help you out. Alex attended the University of Massachusetts at Amherst for undergrad and double majored in biology and psychology. A key component to remember when picking a major to suit dental school is prerequisites. There's different paths you can take. You have to, in order to get into dental school, you have to uh, have a, a biology background, chemistry, physics. There's a track. Now, whether that's pre-med, pre-dental, or any other, you know, I know psychology majors, they just took their courses that they needed to get in. So as long as you have your prerequisites, biochem, biochem, physics, you can do anything. My major was biology and psychology at the same time. So I did both of those in case I wanted I wanted to broaden my horizon. But, you know, I know communication majors that took their prerequisites for dental school, took their DATs, which is the admission to dental admission test, and then got in. So majors really don't matter as long as you have those courses to to get into dental school. And then I also read in that same article that they ask for two semesters of calc. Is that still a thing? And do you use calculus today? I, I remove calculus. Okay. Calculus is build up tartar. So that's a dental joke. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. That was amazing. Sorry. Please, um, no, there's so the majority of the math that I do is very basic. Most of the math that I do has to do with running my books in terms of the business end. Really, there's not much math. I don't know why they make you do calculus. I remember taking, I was always good at math. So for me, Calc 1 and Calc 2 was pretty basic. I really have no idea why they make you do that. I don't even know why they make you do a lot of the stuff that they do yeah. in undergrad. What are some other classes you think? Well, are... like uh, biochem, you know, on a certain, you know, degree, it's, I wish that they 
taught you more business courses, communication, how to speak to people, how to actually listen to someone and be empathetic, right? But it is what it is, yeah. right? And you just have to kind of deal with it. And, and, and but the good thing about most undergrad places that you could take those courses on your own, and I would suggest you do. No idea why I did psych. <laughs> I, I mean, like it? <laughs> it was interesting. Do I apply psychology to my practice now? I mean, just listening to people and, and giving them the ability to talk. That's it. I don't know why I did a lot of the things I did in college. <laughs> right? So what did your resume look like in college and undergrad? Yeah, I was a dental assistant in my family's practice. Part, very, very part-time. They had an assistant, but I would always shadow and hang out. So I know the, the dental business aspect pretty well, but I did all those jobs. You know, I was a waiter. I was a dishwasher. I was a caddy. I did landscaping, and the more jobs you do that in high school, the better. It's great. It taught me how to deal with, you know, the tough blue-collar guys that are I'm, I'm landscaping with to knowing what it's like to do a really good job for my boss who expects all the dishes to be washed by a certain amount of time, you know? So, yeah, that's my resume. I did all sorts of jobs. Jobs like serving, caddying, landscaping can teach you invaluable skills like customer service, multitasking, communication, and how to listen to direction and take criticism well. All the skills that will be put to the test in job interviews, job applications, and day-to-day tasks on the job. But as Alex said earlier, you gotta do your due diligence and get opportunities that will test your affinity to the industry. You shadowed in your family's practice, right? Is it accessible for someone who doesn't have any background family background in dentistry to like approach a practice and say hey can I shadow you guys can I just come in observe learn is that accessible yeah, to people I you know I that's a great question yeah I think most dentists are just your regular guys right, right. who work with their hands who they're if you call them up and you mm-hmm. said literally open up well, there's no yellow pages anymore, but, you know, <laughs> and cold call and say, I'm interested. I don't know. Do you need an extra pair of hands? Can I come in? And I'm guarantee you someone will say yes. After Alex graduated from UMass Amherst, he took two years off because his GPA just missed the mark to qualify right away. It worked out, though. He attended Boston University to get his master's in graduate medical science. Killing two birds with one stone, he was able to develop his medical knowledge while boosting his grades for dental school. But it wasn't easy for him. Life certainly got in the way. I was very close to getting in right away, but I needed a little bit more. Certain, uh, my dad passed away during undergrad, so my grades were not like the the greatest. So I ended up uh, taking my master's degree to take some post-grad courses to show the admission boards that I have the ability to basically get good grades in dental school. Did great, took those courses, worked as a bartender the whole time, worked as a bar back in certain places, took my undergrad. I actually also worked after undergrad in, this is where my psychology degree actually helped. I worked in a 
neuroscience lab at Boston University, so I was able to take the post-grad classes at half the fee. So that was kind of cool. So I had my nine-to-five job, and then I would take the courses as well. Pulled up my grades, was like very close to like a three, six, three, seven GPA. And then in dental school, once I was in clinic portion, uh, you know, I think I was like top 20 in the, in the, in the school because I was able to use my hands, my medical ability and et cetera. So, I mean, for other people, it gives people hope, right. And going out, having bad grades in undergrad and thinking that like multiple test, multiple choice tests. I, I'm never secure enough in that. A, you know, you right, look at it and realm. then you, <laughs> and then you look back on it and you're so like longhand essays, I could always do well. But when you have one out of five and you can eliminate two and then it's always between those two and then you change it like five times. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. It's no way to test someone. Right. Oh, yeah, I agree. So those, you know, and I was close. I mean, I left with like a three, 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 four, something like that. The first interview, they were like, you know, you're close. Just go take some courses, come back. And, you know, and I was a shoe in at that point. While getting his master's, Alex spent two years grinding, working nine to five at BU, bar backing at night until two in the morning, and taking on a full course load. Leading up to graduation, Alex applied to dental schools in the Northeast and ultimately stayed put at Boston University, a nice transition from his master's to dental school. Alex says things to consider when applying for dental school is money and location. Some schools are as high as $60,000 to $70,000 a year. State schools like Stony Brook, Yukon are significantly cheaper, especially for in-state. So I would tell anyone, if you don't need to go into crazy debt, don't. Look up money first. If you want to be close to your family, stay close to your family. If you have, like I had connections at BU because I was working there and taking my postgrad classes there. So I knew the dental school. I knew the professors. That's why the second time I was interviewing, it was a little bit easier to get in. But where you go to school really depends on location and depends on money. And then you said if you could just pick the schools that have that are cheaper, but is there, you know, with, with like clout between different schools? Like, does that matter? The, the status of each school? I like- guess when someone is looking at your diploma, maybe Columbia sounds a little bit better than, you know, Iowa. But at the end of the day, people are going to come see you as a person. People don't go to see what it says on the diploma. I've went to doctors and I don't look where they graduated from. I, I go because someone referred them to me or me to them and because of their reputation. You know, if you're genuine and a good person, I don't think it really matters in the long run. Depending on your dentistry career path, you could spend anywhere from four to eight plus years in dental school. Alex shares how dental school generally works. When you get into dental school, the first two years are generally spent in the classroom. You're learning things like physiology, anatomy. Second year, you balance that with mannequin training. So you get like these fake heads and you get to like practice on that. Certain schools vary. So like I know on the West Coast, they get to see patients like second year. They get to 
like train on real humans. With us, our experience, it was third year. You get to start seeing patients very supervised, very like you get to first practice on your classmates a little bit. Then once you finish your curriculum, you have in dental school what's called uh, requirements. You're required to do X amounts of various procedures. So you need to do certain amounts of crowns, certain amounts of extractions, etc. Once you finish that curriculum, you graduate, you get to sign off. Then there's also board tests, etc. You take all those tests to get your curriculum checked off or you get your requirements done and then you graduate. Certain people apply to specialties during that fourth year. Certain people can apply a little bit later on. My wife, for example, who we met in dental school, she finished her pre-doc, she, she was a general dentist. She did her general dentistry residency. She worked as a dentist for general dentist for a year. And now she went back to Columbia for her orthodontic training, which is a three-year program at that school. So certain specialties you can apply down the road. Cer uh, some student, like some uh, dental students apply during that fourth year and then they go right into their, their residency which is gives them the ability to be a specialist. Pediatric residencies, certain residencies are two years, others are three. So you're looking at about a two to three year commitment after dental school to be a specialist. It's anywhere between two and four. Oral surgeons, some of them could be up to six years more. So you get your MD, DMD, which means you're both medical doctor and you can you know do surgical stuff. After dental school, Alex did his residency at Wyckoff Heights Medical Center in New York. He didn't have to do a residency necessarily, but he had a good reason to. In New York, you ha in order to practice as a dentist in New York, in the state of New York, you have to have a one-year residency. Okay. Other states, you can take licensing exams. So in Massachusetts, you on can paper go, or is it like a like a trial test or something? Um, yeah, it's a trial. Yeah, okay. you see, you do certain procedures gotcha. on patients, and then there's also a written component. For, so for like Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, you don't have to have a residency. You can just every state is different. In New York, you have to have a residency. I was going to do a residency regardless because it gives you you see more procedures versus going right into private practice. What was the process of Getting the residency. Did you apply? Did yeah. You, okay. So there's a thing, I don't know if you know, uh, there's a thing that's called match. Okay. You apply to a bunch of residencies. Then the residencies rank you based okay. on how much they want you and you rank them. It's basically. I never heard of that. Yeah. And then you match. And on one, on one day, everyone goes to either their email or their lockers and you find out where you're going. It's called match day. They, it's both popular in medical field and then in the dental field. That's so they, awesome. So Before they, Bumble Biz was a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, so they match, it's called match day. You, I matched at Wyckoff. I applied to a few programs and then if you don't get in, it's called Postman. The reason why they do it is so one person doesn't hold five or six spots, mm -hmm. right? That top of the class person who's very desirable could say, yes, I'm going here, I'm going here, say yes to five places, and then say no, then four more times, you know. So that's the reason why it was created. Do you remember what you ranked then? Oh, Wyckoff was my number one. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, All right. It was my, my number one because it's a very busy hospital. You get to see a lot of different 
procedures. They're a trauma two center, so you get to see a lot of trauma. A lot. Of, I really wanted to get that. You know, I wanted to get my hands dirty. No yeah. pun intended. Yeah. You decided to open your own practice, right? Yes. And then when picking different career tracks in dental school, did you always want to ha- open your own practice? And is that considered the more entrepreneurial route when picking a, you know? Really good question. It depends. It all depends on... So certain people don't want to... Who are dentists, right? Dentists are kind of geeky people right that no, I like say you're geeky, no. well thank you i appreciate it but it's geeky's it's not a bad thing it's, yeah it's people that you know we're kind of nerdy we're geeky we're very competitive in terms of academics right some some of us are very competitive and you're 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 not you you can be an associate where you come in nine to five the office is already running the patients are there the schedule is done you come in you drill you do your thing, you fill, you treat patients, and then you leave. You don't have to worry about billing, insurance. You don't have to, you kind of come in and then you leave. Other people want to have more control of the type of procedures you're doing or the type of environment you want to set up. So the beauty of dentistry is you can create a lifestyle that's good for you, that that works for you. I want it, I'm really driven to create an experience for my patients that I couldn't do working for other dental owners. So I said, I'm going to create my own experience for my patients where I get to create an environment that's... That so the autonomy I'm, was important yeah, to you. exactly. Cool. Right. I want to talk about actually opening the practice and, and starting that. What was that like? Were you nervous? How did, how did it even form? Did you have to go take out a loan or something? I- so um, there's two ways to start a practice. You can buy an ongoing practice where someone is retiring or they just and they have a patient list or they may have an office with working equipment and then you buy that practice from them. Much like buying someone else's barbershop, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can open your own barbershop. You can get a chair. You can rent a chair per day and say, you know what, I'm going to go and pass my cards out and start a Wix website and <laughs> and do it kind of at a low cost. I decided to go the second round. I didn't want to invest. I came out with, you know, almost $400,000 in loans wow. from 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 undergrad okay. and, and from putting a number on that. <laughs> yeah, 464 Ooh. to be exact, right? <gasps> so I did not want to go into borrowing more money. So I, as working as an associate, meaning I would just come in nine to five, I was working at someone else's office. Part-time, I worked in my own practice. I rented a chair uh, one day a week. I could not afford, at the time, a front desk or an assistant. I did all my own phone calls. Okay. My buddy, Joe, who's also a dentist, he was in residency, was my assistant. He helped me out. I started a website. I printed some cards and now I have a full grown, you know, full time practice with uh, a manager, a hygienist, like, you know, we have our, yeah, yeah. yeah, we just did a massive construction. We built out a whole place on 69th and like, so it's, it's, there is that entrepreneurial, you know, you start low and then you just kind of build from there. 
Alex favors the power of word of mouth to grow his business. There are options of marketing and advertising like mailers and Facebook ads and things like that, but Alex prefers to do things the old-fashioned way. He's trying to create a quality experience with his practice that otherwise is not everyone's idea of a good time. No one's like, yay, time to go to the dentist. So Alex knows that and he tries to change that stigma. It's Alex's personality, his friendly staff, his office vibes, and innovative expertise that keeps the clients coming. He believes word of mouth rather than other mediums of advertising yields to a much more authentic type of growth that leaves appointments penciled in and smiles from ear to ear. That wraps up part two in the Not Accidental series. Huge thanks to Dr. Alex Vasserman for sharing his wisdom throughout this Experience a Day in the Life series. If you haven't already, be sure to listen to part one of this series to experience a day in the life of a private practice dentist. So they say you can't get a job without experience, but need experience to get the job. But luckily, we have quite the experience. You can join our team and experience a day in the life of the jobs you want by applying to be a student editor. Regardless of your major or amount of experience, this is the perfect stepping stone into any internship or career. Find more info and sign up at xadiddle.com slash students. That's x-a-d-i-t-l dot com slash students. Thanks for listening. Head over to xadiddle.com. That's x-a-d-i-t-l.com. There you can find the show notes for this series and more A Day in the Life articles. And you can get to know us and our guests more by joining our communities on social media. Follow at xadiddle on Instagram and on LinkedIn by searching for Krista Bow and Matt with one T Poe. If you learned something in this episode, please take some time to help our mission by leaving a positive rating and review of the show. Each week, we bring you a new interview series with guests from different jobs and different industries. In each series, we'll live a specific day in the life, hour by hour, and experience their career journey. So don't forget to subscribe.